Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. Owner Stories. It's an Owner Stories episode again. I really enjoy these episodes. I really, I really do enjoy talking to other owners around the world. It, it's 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 something I actually look forward to, and I know you guys do as well. Um, if you haven't been to the podcast before, and I need to say this every podcast episode now because there's a lot of new listeners coming in, uh, a lot of new people telling me they've just listened to a you know a latter episode and whatever, and I never introduced myself properly. My name is Michael Bath. Um, at the moment, I'm recording this podcast in London. Uh, I do live in Bahrain at the moment. Um, but I'm from Sydney, Australia. Um, So today I have Simon joining me very shortly by Zoom. Uh, Simon reached out to me, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I guess. Um, And he is a 996 owner. And I think it's going to be a special one because he's not just a 996 owner. He owns um, a couple of 996s and you would have seen it in the title. being the GT3 uh, variant. So it's going to be a good conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Um, If you want to be on these owner stories, uh, all you need to do is uh, send me a DM through Instagram. It's normally the best way. You can send it to me at michael.bath or you can send it to me at porschcool.com. Not porschcool.com. What am I saying? Porschcooled on Instagram. Um, And then I'll uh, eventually get back to you. No, I get back to you quite quickly. I'll eventually get back to you, but I am very slow at the moment. Uh, I'll get back to you. We'll organize a time and then we'll do this recording uh, by Zoom. Um, so all you need to do is just connect with me by Zoom. And then you, if you have a microphone or you have a headset with a microphone like AirPods, that's all you need. It's really easy. It's just a casual chat um, and the listeners are really enjoying it. So enough of me rambling on. Let me get uh, Simon from Adelaide in Australia, and let's talk about his Porsche Cooled owner story. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Owner Stories. Uh, like I said, I've got Simon uh, with me now, and Simon's joining me from Zoom uh, on Zoom, I should say, from Adelaide in Australia. Hi, Simon. Good evening. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. No, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you reached out. Uh, we were just chatting before we started recording. That uh, I just let the listeners know that um, Simon reached out to me through Instagram, the best place to to get a hold of me. Uh, and I thought when I saw your story, I thought this is a good story. And I know you said you know you've had other people who have had similar stories on the on the podcast before. Uh, and the listeners will know what what cars you have already from the title, but. You know, I think it, I think it's good because we haven't. I haven't really had a lot of owners about with track days with cup cars. I mean, there's been a couple. You know, there's been John with his GT3, but it's not a cup car. There's been James at Porsche Platz, of course. Um, so I thought I thought it would be a good story. Um, so I think Simon, just to start it all off, before we get into talking about your cars, um, the listeners always like the first question, and the first question is, you know, how did you get into Porsche? Was it something? Was it something that you've just stumbled upon later in life or was it something as a kid you, you noticed them or did a family or a friend or, or someone near you have Porsches? How did it all start for you? Yeah, so um, when I was probably four or five years old, um, my dad had a, a 928S. I think it was an 82 model and um, he kept the car for quite a while. I think he had it eight or ten years. So. You know, as little kids, that was our first or my first memory of um, a nice car. And, you know, he's, he's always been to cars since I can remember. And that was the first one. And it was around for quite a few years. Um, and, you know, I remember he used to come home from work at the, in the evening and the, the ex, I think it had an exhaust system on, on or something on it. And then the, the V8 would rumble the window. So you'd hear him coming. 
and we'd run outside and open the gates for him and I'd jump in on his lap and he'd let me sort of, you know, pretend to steer the car into the, the garage. So, um, yeah, so that, that's probably my first memory. That's, that's a pretty iconic um, shape to remember as a kid. So your dad bought that car used or did he purchase it new? He purchased it used um, from a dealer in Melbourne called Robert Lane. I don't know if they're, they're long gone now, but um, it was a luxury car dealer in Melbourne. And I think, uh, you know, the car, it was an 82 model, as I said. He probably purchased it um, in the late 80s and uh, kept it till the mid-90s. He, he, he was always kind of, uh, it was a love-hate relationship. He always seemed to be fixing <laughs> the car and <laughs> doing something on it on the weekends, but he kept it, as I said, for eight years, which is quite a long time for him. And so he must have deep down enjoyed it. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're really coming back in a big way. The nine two eights, aren't they? Everyone seems to love them yeah. again now. Everyone wants one. <clears throat> so your dad's got that nine two eight. That's the introduction to um, in, into Porsche. What happens then? So how old were you when your dad had that car? Uh, well, as I said, I was probably, I reckon, I was about four years old. And, okay. Um, he probably, I, I would have been, I think he sold it in 96. So I would have been uh, probably nine, something like that. So, yeah, you know, um, as a young kid, that, that car was around for a long time and, and, you know, so. So when you're growing up, is that the only Porsche that your dad had? So when you're a kid, does he, does he when you said when he sold that car after the, those many years of ownership, did he buy another one? He, he didn't. Um, you know, I, I remember him looking um, – uh, back back when he got the 928, he wanted it. He really wanted a 911, so it would have been a, a, a G series. Um, but my mum didn't like the the interior. I think it might have been Pasha or something like that. <laughs> right. She wasn't a fan of that interior, so yeah, fair enough. He got the 928 <laughs> instead. <laughs> right. Right. But um, no, he he then sort of diverted away from them and went to Japanese cars, and and so um, you know that we used to kind of influence him a little bit and he would influence us. We used to egg him on to buy certain cars and that sort of thing. So, Oh, that's great. So it's in the family. Um, yeah. All right. So let's, let's jump forward then because I know we've got a few cars to get through. Let's jump forward. When you first start thinking, okay, I'm going to get my own car. Um, and, and most people don't just jump straight into a Porsche. What did you jump into? What was the first significant car that you bought that you, you still remember today and, 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 and was, and was pretty special. Well, the, the first car I ever had was a Honda Prelude. It was a, a third gen, so that would have been a, a late 80s, um, that wedge-shaped car, and yes. that was shared with my brother. So, um, you know, it wasn't really my own car, but um, my first own car would have been a, a Toyota Supra, um, okay. uh, what they car. call a, a, a Mark III. So I had uh, a Japanese import. It was a, It's called a JZA70, so they had the, the iconic 1JZ engine, the 2.5-litre twin-turbo. And it was an R model, so it had Recaro interior. And it was quite a rare car. There were only probably 10, 10 to 15 in Australia. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I kept that for probably five or six years um, through my uh, university days and then ended up selling it um, when I, uh, I did a bit of travelling after university and ended up selling it halfway through that trip to, to pay for the rest of the travel. So probably a, Probably a car you wish you still kept today, right? Well, the guy who bought it from me still has it. Um, he, he was wow. sort of needling me to buy it for a couple of years and, um, you know, I ended up selling it to him. I, I, something small happened. I think the ECU, you know, uh, burnt out or something like that and I just had enough of it and so I thought, well, you know, I needed the money and 
being a, a poor ex-student um, traveling uh, through Europe. So, you know, I thought it was a good time. So, when does the Porsche come into the into the fold? When does the Porsche start? You know, you start going out there and you start looking to find a, a 911 or a Porsche or whatever. What? How does that come about? Well, I was always, you know, obviously, like I said, as a kid, we had, um, you know, that ex- that experience with with Porsche, um, and 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 then that went away for quite a while. And I probably started noticing them again around the time the 996 GT3 was first released, so late '90s, so '99. Okay. Um, there was a guy in Adelaide uh, who's had, you know, a number of these cars and he, he's still to this day um, owns GT cars and he had one of the first, um, it was a white, uh, this is a Series 1 club sport okay. and I remember seeing that on the road in Adelaide. Um, I was still a little, a, a fairly young kid at that stage and then probably didn't really get, uh, it, it didn't become a, a serious proposition until, um, around about 2012. So this is, yeah, going back a little while, but, yeah. um, I was on a forum and, uh, they all love 911s and that got me sort of interested in, in them. So, um, okay. So know. that's, so it's only been quite recent then when you start, started thinking I'm going to get a, a 911. So 20, 2012, 2012. Yeah. Yeah. 2012. Yeah. I played with lots of Japanese stuff before that. So <laughs> And I just want to I just want to say to the listeners, Adelaide, if if the listeners aren't aware, I'm sure listeners in Australia are, but Adelaide seems to have a really good concentration of car enthusiasts, and it seems to have a lot of dealers that sell quite unique cars. Is that true in saying that, Simon? It always comes across as being like a really strong Porsche culture in in South Australia, especially in Adelaide. It, it is. That's that's very true. Um, the the thing is, we had the, the Formula One Grand Prix from 1985 to 1995. So most yep. people around the world would would recognise Adelaide from those those years. And so it's got a fairly rich motorsport uh, heritage. And um, you know, Porsche and motorsport go together pretty well. I'm sure everyone would agree. Um, and I believe Porsche Centre Adelaide sells more GT cars per capita than any other Porsche dealer in the world. Yeah, it's, every, time, every time I look at, you know, yeah, but every time I look at, you know, cars for sale in Adelaide, there always seems to be, you know, not only just really unique Porsches for sale, whether it be at Richmond's or Porsche Centre or wherever it is, but also, you know, Ferraris and things like that. There seems to be, you know, there seems to be some very special cars driving around in, in those Adelaide, uh, on those Adelaide roads, that's for sure. There, there is. There's a lot of really nice, rare, expensive metal tucked away that you don't see. But you know, also you know, big supercar culture, and um, we've you know, obviously dealerships like Zagami have come over from Melbourne to yeah, yeah, set up here in Adelaide to for, as for, to expand. So yeah. yeah, true, true. All right, so let's get in. So we're, we're in 2012. Um, you're on the one of the Porsche forums, the Australian Porsche Forum, or wherever it is, um, and you start thinking about 911. So how does your what's the first one you bought and how does that come about? So the first one I bought was a 996 GT3. Um so I did look for a number of years and and procrastinated quite a bit um and I came really close to buying um uh, a black uh 996.2 Club Sport in 2013. Um but at the time I I chickened out. Um I you know I I sort of did a little bit of research and um, understood they were a fairly bulletproof car, but I was probably scared of the maintenance costs and just dipping my toes in the water. So I, I went and bought a Lotus instead, and um, okay. yeah, I got a little bit bored of that. So, 
Um, yeah, that would have been 2013. Then I ended up getting the the GT3. Um, it, was, it was a Touring. I bought that in uh, beginning of 2015. So that was a 996 GT3, local car in Adelaide. So, Okay, so you're buying it before the prices went too crazy. I did, yeah. That was a bit of a motivator because I just had a bit of a feeling that, you know, that they'd really hit the bottom. And um, I think at the time there were probably 10 or 15 996 GT3s on car sales. Yeah. Um, this car was in Adelaide. Had it not been in Adelaide, I probably wouldn't have um, got it, got into it. So, I'm, you know, I think it all happened for a reason. So um, how, do you, how do you get all the information that you need to, to, to make the decision on this car? Is this from the talking to other owners on the forum? Is this from just normal research? I mean, what, what do you do to, ins- to ensure that this is the right GT3 as your first, first 911? Well, yeah, to, to, to understand it, whether it was, it was the right car for me, not that particular car, but whether the, the GT3 was a good proposition, I, um, I got chatting to a, a guy on, um, on, a, on a forum who, um, and this, this wasn't actually a Porsche forum, it was a, a, just a, um, a widespread sort of car forum that loved, you know, had a big interest in 911s. And this guy, um, he, he, he'd had about 18 or 19 GT3s and um, okay. over the years he, he right. was a dealer as well okay um, and so he gave me a lot of advice on the things to look for you know the pros and cons what modifications are desirable and what you know um, uh, and and the particular car that I ended up with had all of the work that he suggested you know needed doing so in terms of performance upgrades um, so okay uh, that yeah so that that was that was a particular car I ended up with um you know so the tell reason the listeners to me. sorry Simon tell the listeners exactly yeah. what you bought so it's a 0.1 GT3 no it was a it was a uh, 6.2 um, right. comfort spec so it had the leather Recaro buckets and it had a um it had the dealer fitted optional cage so not the club sport um six okay. point bolt-in cage okay. um but yeah the, this particular car the the, the owner who'd um who'd had it for probably two or three years, he'd spent quite a bit of money on it. Um, he'd, he'd built it up to, to do track days. And so he, he did all the, the, the shorter gearing. Um, it had rose jointed suspension everywhere, had cup card dampers, um, uh, lots of weight reduction, had a, it, um, had a cup rear bumper cup exhaust system. So, you know, probably 70 or $80,000 tipped into it. Okay. Um, and, so was uh, that some, yeah, so. was that the was that the sort of GT3 you were looking for? You were looking for something that had been slightly modified that that could just go straight to the track when you bought it. Is that what you were searching for, Simon? Absolutely, yeah. the The goal was to to do track days, so you know, and and not track days every weekend, but the the you know, I did. I wasn't buying the car to to commute to work and back. Um, I, I wanted something that I could obviously drive on the street, but um. Have it, have it be able to perform well on the on the racetrack. So, um, and uh, yeah, so I did. I did uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't really want a standard car. It didn't. It just didn't appeal to me. Um, coming from the Lotus Exige, that was a fairly hardcore vehicle, um, and so I didn't want to feel like I was taking a back step. And obviously, you know, having owned both of those cars now, in hindsight, obviously the the GT3 is a much more superior car, even in standard form, but. Yeah. Um, at the time, I, I was really looking for something with some modifications. 
But the Lotus is supposed to be quite a good driver's car, right? It's a good car to learn track work on and, and to take it to the track for the first time, isn't it? Isn't that the sort of thing that people do with the Lotus? And the what is the other one I heard on a podcast the other day? The Evora S, is it? The Evora S, except the gearbox yeah, is terrible, the, the apparently. Evora. Yeah, so the Evora is more of a... Um, like a, a GT style car, whereas the Exige is based on the um, the Elise sort of platform. Um, this was a Series Two, so shorter wheelbase car, and still had the four cylinder Toyota engine, but upgraded supercharger. It was a Cup, so it was actually one of only five um, in Australia. It was a quite a rare car, okay. full rate, full roll cage, you wow. know, fire suppression system, and everything like that. Yeah. So wow, cool. Yeah, so you've got the GT three. You've got the 996.2 GT3. It's it's optioned really well. It's it's ready for the track. Um, how is that? Is this a car you is this the car you still own today? Is this the black one or is this a different car? No. So this car was also black. Um, it was just it was the straight black, so non-metallic. Um, and no, I don't have it anymore. I, I sold it in 2017. So I kept that car about two and a half years. And how was the experience? Tell the listeners how it was on the track and. What made you look at selling it? The car was unbelievable. Um, on, honestly, now having had a, a cup car since, it was the closest thing you can get to a cup car with an interior and registration plates, um, you know, uh, without actually having the cup. So um, it, it, it was fantastic. The reason I sold it was um, I was doing a lot of track days with the vehicle and there were a few guys in the the local Porsche club in South Australia that, you know, we, we all sort of came up through the ranks, so to speak. We got GT3s at the same time and um, a few of those guys ended up buying cup cars. So um, all yeah. of a sudden they were, they were leaving me in the dust with their slips. And, um, <laughs> so it was, it, it was the obvious decision. Yeah, it's like, I mean, and I know you know James at Porsche Platz. Um, and James has been on Owner's Stories before, and he's also done a, another episode here with me on, on Porsche Cooled. And, you know, I always remember what James said. He said, you know, that he it got to the point where you just outdrive the car as well. Is that what you found with, with the GT3, that it just you just needed something something more? Your school level is getting so much better and you just need something more? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was there, there was a particular one particular event um, called the Adelaide Motorsport Festival, which unfortunately is now no longer. Um, but they they used to run a section, a small section of the Formula One track in in what's called Victoria Park Racecourse. So yes. really fantastic event with, you know, amazing atmosphere. And uh, the the first year I was to do it, the car I, I broke broke the gearbox the week before. Um, okay. and so I missed it. And so the next year I I did it, but by that stage uh, my buddies from the Porsche club had already bought their cup cars. And, um, you know, there was just, I, I vividly remember we were in, in the middle of a session and I was keeping up with them and then their slick switched on and that was it. They just, you know, left me for dead. So that was, just, that was probably the the point at which I realized I'd run the distance with the car and, um, you know, and, and, and also the values had gone up quite a bit as well. And I was starting to worry a little bit about throwing one around on the racetrack pretty hard. So, the cup cars were still really cheap back then and it just, you know, it's it seemed to be, um, you know, the right way to go. Okay, so that's the deciding factor. So you've got your, you've got your well-sorted 996 GT3 upgraded and then you decide to look for something else. So obviously you're going to look for a cup car. How do you go about that? 
Well, it it wasn't really that straightforward. It was quite a long gap between selling the 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 road car and and acquiring the cup car. Um, we had some um, family personal stuff go on as well as a lot of people do. We were renovating a house. Um, we'd just had our first child, and so it was. <sighs> I had someone contact me who was quite interested in the in the the road car, and so um, you know it took quite a while to do the deal because he was from overseas and moving back to Australia. So that okay. was fairly drawn out. Once we, in the background, I'd I'd had some conversations with Cup car owners. Uh, James to to one we talked about you know his first car maybe um, looking at purchasing that, but he was in two minds. And there was another guy in Adelaide with another two thousand and four nine nine six who also was sort of in two minds about whether to sell it or not. So it, I want to ask you two things, actually. I want to go back to the sell, the selling process of that GT3. Was it sure. difficult Was it difficult to sell because of the modifications done on the car and because of the track work? Was it like a much smaller window of people you had to buy that car or was it just other things that were holding up the sale? Well, I didn't really want to put it on car sales for that, for that very reason. I was probably a little bit worried about it and, probably more worried than I should have been um, because it seemed that there are a lot of people out there that wanted that sort of car. So I actually sold the car on, on the, the local, um, the Australian forum. So I put a, just put a, a, a post up and, you know, it was a very much a expression of interest type thing, you know, um, and had someone contact me and yeah, we went from there and he, he wanted all of the modifications. That was a big selling point for him. So Okay, that's great. So when, so this is on Porsche Forums Australia, is it? Is that where you sold it? Yeah. 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 So, okay. And I think I asked James this question as well, and I can't remember his answer. But when you went from the GT3, the 996, did you think maybe I'll get a GT3 RS? Or was it just not enough? Or was it the value of it? What made you go from the GT3 that's slightly modified that you had to a cup car? The the thing with the GT3 RS, is, I mean, the, the 996 GT3 RS is, um, I've not driven one, so I can't comment on on how they um, how they feel um, and crazy how they money, perform. Though. I know, crazy money. I mean, I know a, a couple of guys that have them and I'm, you know, spoken to them, um, one guy in particular who I speak to quite a bit and, um, uh, you know, the thing is this, the, the level that Mike, road car was at it was over and above a gt3 rs by quite a long okay. way so i okay. didn't it would have been a step backwards for you know a lot more money so it just didn't didn't add up so. okay yeah okay understand so a thing that surprised me actually and i think this is when i saw and i'm just going to refer back to james again at porsche platz um when he put his fitzgerald racing car up for sale on collecting cars and i know it didn't sell on collecting cars and then he put it up uh, privately i think or he put the price up on instagram um, I won't quote the price, but I was surprised that <clears throat> cup cars aren't, well, relatively, they're not that expensive. Um, if you just want to yeah. solely, you know, track car, etc., you wouldn't go in RS anyway because the cup car has got so much more and the money you spend is a lot less. Am I right in saying that? Well, yeah. I mean, and, and again, it probably comes down to individual cars and um, I think a lot of people are intimidated by the prospect of a cup car. I mean, the first thing that people come up to me, if I'm at the, the, the track and there are people there that, you know, don't know much about them and they want to come up and just have a look, the first question they ask me is, oh, how's the engine? You know, because everyone thinks that with a cup car, the engines just explode after 40 hours. You know, the reality right. is they go they go a lot longer. Okay. Um, and, you know, in actual fact, there's, 
between, particularly for the 996, um, and this is what I love about the 996 GT3 is the road car versus the cup car, it, it's very similar. They're, they're almost the same car. I mean, there are obviously the cup is turned up to 11. So, and that's yeah, just through, yeah. you know, a number of small little bits and pieces, but um, that make, make an overall quite a big difference. So, okay. So, tell the listeners so you've you, you've sold the the gt3 how does the cup car come about and where do you find it so i i sold the gt3 in, in 17 i didn't buy the cup car until um about 12 months later so um i found the car on my 105 which um for for non-aussies it's a it's a race car classified site much okay. like um you know, there's a number of those around the world, but this is a it's it's a fairly antiquated, outdated style of website. Um, and the car had been listed; it was online for a long time. It was online for probably eighteen months, I would say, um, and not a great deal of information about the history of the car. Just very vague ad, um, and it turns out the car was being sold on behalf of the owner by um, a workshop who basically ran the car for him um and it had had a fairly serious accident at bathurst in 2009 so the guy that owned the car was actually the the second owner of the vehicle he bought it um as a fresh ex-professional car when it had done with its cup car um carrera cup duties when they switched to the 997 platform um so he'd had it a long long time and uh raced it for a few years and then had a fairly big smash at bathurst I think he injured himself. He broke a few ribs and was fairly shaken up by the whole ordeal. Okay. Um, spent a lot of money repairing the car and um, that took a number of years. And I think by the by the time the process was over with, he was just past it, you know. Um, he'd had other cars and so, yeah, so. So you go to look at this car though. So you found this car. It looks like it could be okay. How do you... What's how do you check a cup car? This is what I'm trying to work out. Do you take a, a, a mechanic that knows about it with you? How do you actually make sure that it's that it's going to be okay? You have to take a bit of a leap of faith with the 996. It's sort of like going down a dark hallway, you know, without the lights on. Um, and because and that's mainly because you know these cars at, at that time and um, and now they're they're old cars, and so you know. A lot of the history, and I will say also old cars, and a lot of them seem to have been sitting for a number of years without being used, and that's because they weren't competitive anymore on, you know, um, in a in a racing um, situation. So the way I look at it, the cars are kind of in no man's land. You know, they're they're not they're not yet a classic, and yep. they're an old race car that's you know um, outdated. So because of that, they get neglected. Um, a lot of the history goes missing, and so. You've, you've really just got to um, do your due diligence, make sure you have it well inspected. Um, in this case, because the car had been um, sort of just brought back from a fairly big repair and not turned a wheel, they were offering a shakedown, which was which is very rare for a, when you're buying a you know a, a car at that that level. Um, I'm sure it happens a bit more on, on the high end with really expensive modern machinery, but. Um, so I flew, the car was in Melbourne. I, I flew over there to, um, there was a lot of toing and froing, um, probably for eight to 10 weeks, just getting information and, and that sort of thing. Right. We did a PPI that came up good. Um, and then, uh, 
Sorry, I, I sorry yeah. Simon, just for What's a second. That? PPI for a cup car. Are mm. there specialized people that do PPIs for race cars, for cup cars, or is it just your usual PPI? No, you wouldn't do a PPI on a cup car at a, at a Porsche dealer or anything like that because yeah, yeah, that's what um, I mean. there's a lot of there's a lot of little things. I mean, essentially, yes. It, obviously, they're not going to look at things like you know the glove box light not illuminating and that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff. But it's, is it is it a specialized race person that does this inspection for you? Well, you you would you would you'd want a specialized shop who's got experience in in running those cars doing the the inspection. Absolutely. So. Okay. And it's probably a lot simple, a little bit simpler than a road car because it's you're focusing mostly on the mechanical aspect, you know. The, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I think it's a good point that you said. You know, these cars are getting old; they've been driven hard. Some have had multiple accidents. You know what I mean? So you have to overlook these things, don't you? So what is the main thing that you're looking for? You're looking for the the, the reliability of the engine. You're looking for the integrity of the engine. Is that what you're looking at? Well, I mean, the engine's the most expensive part on the car, so that's that's paramount um so you know a leak down test compression test um and the gearbox you know you can't obviously test that if you're not driving the car so you're obviously looking for any receipts for um previous or recent um overhaul and that sort of thing but to go to go away from that i mean because this car had had been in an accident and a lot of them have been you know find me a cup car that's not been smashed they they don't exist Right, um, right. They, they've all been crashed at some point, so you you do probably want to look at that and check the you know that it's straight. And if there have been repairs, they've been carried out to a, a good standard. So it, the car had been completely resprayed; it had a lot of new components on the on it, um, and so that 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 was quite appealing to me as well. And the engine checked out, so um, so yeah, we we decided to to give it a go. Yeah, and I think it's interesting what you just said, you know, because a lot of the listeners, and I'm sure they're like me, they don't know a lot about cup cars. I mean, you appreciate them, you know, you, you see them. And, you know, like I said, James has been on and talked about his. But I think it's interesting, you know, for you, it's like it's second knowledge now because you have this cup car. But I think it's good for the listeners to know that there is a big difference, you know, from from just looking at a normal Porsche and thinking, hey, I just want a track focused only, you know, GT3 or, ni- or 911. Um, so I think that's uh, I think that's really good advice that you've given. So... Then you, you, you take the plunge, you buy this car. You make a decision pretty quickly once you get the PPI done? Well, no, because, um, again, there was more to the story. So uh, we, would, my, we were just due to have our, our second child. My wife was probably 34 weeks pregnant or something like that, and I'd booked flights to go and do the, the test. And two days before I was supposed to leave, I got a call from the, the workshop um, and – he said, look, the car, we've just gone to, um, you know, get it ready for the shakedown and there's water in the oil. And I oh, said, oh, okay. no, you know, what's going on here? So he'd suspected that the um, the heat exchanger had failed. So the GT3 has this um, water to oil um, heat exchanger that sits right on top of the engine and it's really common when the cars have sat for so long. Um, cup cars run mostly water with a little bit of coolant additive and they corrode, the internal wall corrodes, and so okay. they split. Um, so that that was what he suspected. So because I've had, had the flights already booked, I thought I'll just go go along anyway and see the car in the flesh. Um, and I think by that stage they had the engine out because the engine had to come out to get, the, get to the, the heat exchanger. So there was probably another month 
um, to get the part from Germany, get it on the engine, get the engine back in the car and everything dialed in. So, so yeah, a month later I went back to Melbourne. Um, by that stage we'd had our second baby um, and I was stretching things a lot with my yeah, wife. I was going to so. say, <laughs> not, the great, um, not a great child car, not a car you should be buying after you've just had a, had a baby, that's defi- for sure. Definitely not, definitely not. <laughs> I was, you know. I, I, I did question you're pushing, whether you're I was pushing the, the right limits decision. there, Simon. You're pushing the limits. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, all right, so yeah, so you got the car. It's all it's sorted. Well, you think it's sorted. Um, you get it shipped back to Adelaide, sent road uh, tractor uh, transported back to Adelaide. How is the first? Let's just talk about the drive because everyone likes to know about the drive. How is that first drive in that cup car, and how was the experience compared to your previous GT3? Well, the first drive was actually not in Adelaide. It was in Melbourne because, okay. as I said, they were allowing me to test the car before I bought it to make sure that everything was good. But by that point, I'd put a deposit down and it was it was fairly well a done deal. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was amazing. Um, it had been, you know, 12 months since I'd driven something like that on the track. So it brought back a lot of memories. It felt instantly really similar to the, the car that I'd sold, um, which was good. It was That's what I was looking for. But just another level above, um, you know, and that was probably down to the slick tires. Um, so did it, did it make you feel more confident or less confident? Um, well, in terms of the, the dynamics of the car and, you know, keeping it under control and that sort of thing, um, the, it, it was fine. I was very comfortable straight away. Um, but probably what I wasn't confident in with the, was the, the mechanical, um, ability and reliability of the car. So, because uh, the 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 cooling system had been contaminated with oil, um, really what needed to happen was all of the rubber hoses should have been changed, all of the radiators should have been changed. Um, that wasn't done, and so okay. the car was buttoned up, sent to Adelaide, and so the first time I drove it in Adelaide, I I think we blew a, a cooling hose. Um, right. Not n- not the way that all of the GT3s that you hear about do. It was different to that. Um, okay, so you, and, you you take it on the track. Sorry, Simon, you take it on the track in Adelaide, and you said all the hoses should have been changed over. Did you know that at the time, or you just thought it'd be okay? No, I didn't know it at the time because I was okay. sort of following the lead of the the shop who who had been working on the car and was selling the car. So okay. you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, obviously, when I when I brought it back to Adelaide, I had my workshop. Um, look over it and you know they they sort of knew what had happened but and everything looked okay the coolant was clear and and that sort of thing but in that first track day when we we popped a hose buttoned it up filled the system again and then split another two hoses i think it was just it was clear then that that it had to be done yeah 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 was there anything else major anything else that was majorly wrong with the car that you had to you had to rectify apart from the hoses no no, that was it. So really once we um, – actually, the only other thing was a fuel pump. That was, uh, you know, that was uh, a little bit faulty. So the power was sort of coming in and out because when the tank was full, it was okay. But as the fuel level would drop, um, you know, when you're accelerating or, or braking or cornering, you'd lose fuel pressure and um, that would sap power. So those were the only two things that needed to be done. And um, once they were done, the car, you know, to this day has been, you know, knock on wood, has been re- really reliable. 
Yeah, so yeah. I'll just tell, let me just tell the listeners because I forgot to tell them earlier. So if you want to go to Simon's Instagram, uh, it's Porsche Nut 9, number 9, Porsche Nut 9. Um, have a look at his uh, Insta. There are lots of photos of the car. I'm guessing the cup car is the red and blue one. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So just I just want to go back uh, to the cup car just to compare it, actually. So how is this cup car different to James at Porsche, Porsche Platz's cup car? Is it the same generation? Is it a similar car? Are there a lot of differences between 996 cup cars in Australia? It's identical. Um, it's a 2003. James's is a 2003 as well. So these were the first. Um, they ran in the inaugural Carrera Cup Australia Series in 2003. So um, my car was part of um, uh, Greg Murphy Racing. So Greg Murphy's a fairly uh, prominent Kiwi racer yeah, here. Yeah, um, I've heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and he's he sort of he 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 raced V8 supercar, and uh, his father managed the team, and they were quite successful. They had, um, you know, uh, two championships, I think, out of the three nine on six years. Um, and uh, so, did so, you yeah. did your cup car did your car did it race with the Fitzgerald racing car that um, that James has, or was different? It, it it did yeah it did so it was oh, it in did. the same competition yeah yeah same competition um you know his his car I think did all three years of the nine nine six era in Carrera Cup as as did mine um and uh my car had a change of livery um for its final year it went to the the livery that it's in now so that that's the original um oh five livery that's on the car now that I've restored so oh so you so when you buy these cars they come pretty much plain do they they don't they don't have the livery still on them most of the times or they still have remnants of the livery sometimes they do sometimes they don't um obviously they're all delivered as white cars um, yeah. back yeah. then the 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 technology for vehicle wrapping wasn't what it is today and so a lot of the cars were painted um a base color in which case mine's blue yeah. james is is obviously yellow um, and, and then they apply the, you know, the decals over the top. So the, because my car had been resprayed, the guy, um, you know, the guy who had it before me, he liked blue. He'd had a number of other blue Porsches. So he kept the blue color, which I'm, I'm really, you know, I was yeah, glad. No, it's, it's um, a great livery. I like the livery yeah. of it. It's really cool. It's really yeah. cool. So where do you keep a car like that? Do you keep it in your, in your, in your garage with all your other Porsches or do you keep it uh, on the track? How do you actually store a car like that? Is there anything you have to be aware of you have to be careful with how does that all work um i mean yeah i i most of the time the car's at home with me um i i kind of like to you can't drive them much so you know i probably drive it four or five times a year at the most um but i get a lot of enjoyment out of just looking at it cleaning it you yeah. know um polishing it doing yeah. the things that you can't do when i, you're, I saw when the you're picture where you're washing it. it i saw one of those images yeah, so there was a lot of cleaning in the first couple of years because um, it had been it was a dusty old dirty race car been been in storage for a long time. So, okay, so you've got the so now you've got the cup car. You're happy with that, you know? It's like a a, a dream come true in a way. It's great on the track. Um, have you outdriven it yet? Are you still? Are now you are you hankering for more power, or is it enough? I mean, you could always do with a little bit more power, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. No, I, you know, I, I think, um, with the car, you know, as I said, we don't, I don't drive it a lot, so there aren't a lot of opportunities to hone the setup. And so I'm, I'm pretty diligent with note taking when I'm at the track 
and I'll always write down in my iPhone four or five different things that I think can be, um, you know, improved upon in terms of the setup for the next outing so that I, I've got a baseline. Okay. So each time I'm going out, I'm getting a little bit faster in the car and um, just doing track days at the moment. Um, but I, I would like to, to do some racing. So okay. if I can sort of improve the pace a little bit to a point where I feel I can keep up with 997s, then I might give that a go. So, so is there races in Australia that you can race the old cup cars? Is there? Yeah. So in, in South Australia, um, you've got, uh, it's, it's called sports car. So it's the state championships, which is run by the sporting car club of South Australia. Okay. Okay. Um, so they run events at the Ben Motorsport Park and Malala. Right. So there's a category called sports cars, which is mostly oh, that'd um, be fun. That'd be older, cool. older cup cars. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still, you're racing 991s and 997s. Yeah, it got interesting. more power, more grip, more aero. Interesting. So, yeah. 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 All right, so you got the cup car. You're enjoying the cup car. Um, when does it come around? The fact that you think, hang on, I, I wanted, I want another 911, but I want to be able to drive it on the road. When I had for probably two years of owning the cup car, I, I, I really didn't miss the road car at all. Um, okay. I just, I just felt I'd moved on. And when I sold the 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 road car, I always had a feeling that I, in the back of my mind that I'd get another one. Um, and so much so that I kept a lot of parts. Um, you know, little bits and pieces that I'd taken off that car before I sold it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, probably a couple of years later, that feeling just disappeared until probably 12 months ago, um, where they, the interest in the 996, the 996 has just gathered momentum probably over that time. And, and it seems to be now quite a desirable car. I don't know what spurred that on, but I mean, I've always liked them, but they, you know, for a long time were, were pretty maligned. Yeah, um, it kind of started so, with the GT3s and the turbos, though, didn't it? And now it's gone all the way down to the base Carreras. You know, people wanting seventy thousand, seventy, sixty-five, seventy-five, eighty thousand dollars for a base Carrera nine nine six. Um, but it did definitely start with the GT and the turbo, that's for sure. So yeah, yeah. So you start searching for another nine nine six. Yeah. So probably six months ago, I, I really started. Um, you know, I figured I better. If, if I want to get one of these, I you know I need to get one before they really become out of reach. Um, so in the last um, you know six months or so, I, I just was watching the market fairly closely, um, quite uh, paranoid about maybe not being able to find what I wanted. This time around, it, it had to be a club sport. Okay, um, that was my only criteria. I mean, I certainly had preferences for color. Um, but it had to be a club sport and it had to be a, a 6.2. Okay. Um, but even so, so, Simon, in the past six months, the prices have gone, they've jumped a lot. I mean, I think I saw one. Wasn't, has, there, yeah. wasn't there one advertised, and I don't know if this is your car, but wasn't there one advertised for 179000 for a point two GT3? Are you talking about the silver car? Is that the one? Yeah, I think it was silver. Yeah, there's there's been a few on car sales that have come and gone in the last six months. And, I think there was one at 200 um, even, wasn't there? There was one that hit 200, wasn't there? uh, see a lot of the cars at the moment uh, now they're all selling off the market so a lot of them are just selling privately um and so but there there have been cars that have gone for um you know 220 230 that's mm. sort of like the top of the the tree yeah Um, seven prices uh, yeah yeah nine yeah the gap between six and seven is that now you know 6.2 7.1 is very small so um 
Okay, yeah, so, so how did you find this car? Tell the listeners how you found it. Uh, was it through the forums or was it advertised? How did you how did you find it and what car did you find? So I found the car um, by chance on Instagram, actually. It wasn't advertised. <laughs> okay. um, I was just in the right place at the right time. So um, a, a friend and a, a, a follower that I follow, he follows me. I, I, um, you know, he's a local in Adelaide. He was sort of looking um, for GT3s but wanted a, a, a 6.1. Okay. And um, I think he put a post up on his feed, you know, asking for people to DM him if they knew of any cars and um, just reading the comments, uh, there was a, a guy who was, you know, who said, I've got a, um, a Mark II 29,000 Ks if that's your flavour. Wow. Um, so knowing, knowing this guy who'd put the post up quite well, um, knowing that he didn't want a Mark II, I thought, well, I'm going to jump in. Normally I, I wouldn't do that um, uh, because it, it wasn't my post, but, yeah, I, yeah. I immediately sent the guy a message and yep. it turned out that we were actually both on, on the Porsche Forum Australia anyway oh, okay. um, without, without realising it. Um, and so, yeah, we, we talked a little bit and he sent me some pictures of the car, um, not, not many photos. Um, you know, it, it was a really quick, easy deal. So 29,000 so, kilometres, this is the black car, yep. right? It's a black GT3. Yeah, so it's yeah, basalt black. It is basalt black. And what other options yeah. did it come from the factory with? Um, so it, it's a it's a club sport. Yes. And um, the the thing with this car is it's never been on the racetrack ever. Oh, okay. Um, and interestingly, um, so never been on the racetrack. The the front cage obviously never been fitted. The fire extinguisher was never even fitted. Okay. Um, and. A fair few owners. I think I'm the fifth or sixth owner, but um, tracing the history, the car had done 15,000 Ks in one year, in its first year, yeah. and then the next you know, four or five owners just made it a, um, a museum piece. They just that's didn't a, drive it. That's so. a rare find, isn't it? That's, that's like a collector's car almost, isn't it? That's a rare find to get one with such low kilometres, no track, especially when it's got the front cage as well. Usually they've been tracked, right? Well, the front cage was with the car, but not fitted. So the club okay. sports all all came. You 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 received the cage whether you wanted it or not. So oh, you actually whoever, received um, the front cage on nine nine sixes, nine nine sevens. You, you don't receive you the but on nine nine seven GT threes. You don't receive a front cage, right? In a club sport package, do no. You? no. Porsche worked out they could charge extra. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think yeah. it's about five or six thousand dollars for the front section on the nine nine seven. So that's a lot, isn't it? But yeah, back in the nine nine six, they they would give you the. The extinguisher, okay. the front cage, the harness, but they were not fitted at the factory. They were dealer fitted if on upon request. Right, I didn't know that. Speaking of GT threes, let me just go off track slightly, and I wonder what your opinion is on this. Elder House Hamilton in Sydney uh, have a nine nine seven GT three for sale. Have you seen it, the white one? I have. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a touring with lightweight buckets, um, which is good, but it's got a sunroof. Would you buy a GT three with the sunroof? Definitely not. Yeah, no, I said yeah, the same thing. Um, Steve and I were having this conversation in uh, the podcast that's come out, well, today because we're recording these in advance, but the podcast today, we're talking about that. I wouldn't buy one with a sunroof either. I find it very odd because it's been sitting there for some time and I'm just wondering if little things like that is hampering the sale of that car because it's quite low kilometers and it looks like it's in pretty good nick, you know. Yeah, I think, um, you know, people, it seems to be that now people are wanting the, the club sport um, 
if if it's on offer. It didn't didn't always used to be that way, but no. it seems in the last you know couple of years that that's been the way the market's going. Um, but well, yeah, the sunroof is a is a funny one. It's yeah. a weird one. But even GT even GT cars, right? GT threes. No one. There was a time there where not many people really did want them, and that's the problem. And the price now reflects True. the fact that everyone does want them. Um, so you've got you've got your GT three. Um, it's a seamless transaction. The car's in really good condition. Do you get it? checked out before you buy it simon everyone likes to know that do you get a ppi on this one as well i didn't actually i didn't so and and you know usually i'm um i'm very pro ppi um but the you know in talking to the 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 seller of the car you know there's I, i think when you're buying and selling cars there's you know you've either got an understanding or you don't and you're almost they say buy the seller yeah um this guy was just really straight up and down great guy to deal with um and you know to date it's been the most expensive purchase i've ever made on a vehicle by quite a lot and it was the the easiest and the quickest decision i I made so um the car the the reason i didn't do a ppi was i had to act fairly quickly he he was in in far north queensland um which you know um is six thousand probably six thousand k's uh not not quite that far probably 4,000, the best part of 4,000 Ks from me in Adelaide, and he's 800 Ks from the nearest Porsche center. So he yeah. was going to sell the car down at Classic Throttle Shop. Oh, really? And would have sold for a lot so, more than so, his. So you got in before yeah, Classic so, Throttle Shop bought it, did you? He, he was going to put send it. He, he'd bought the car from Classic Throttle Shop two years earlier or three okay. years earlier. Oh, right. Um, and, uh, and so – he he was just going to send it back there because he didn't want to deal with the the difficulty of you know given his location. So he sort of said, I think you know it was easier for him to sell it to me. He didn't have to worry about shipping the car and paying for detailing and servicing and all of that stuff. So as a result, I probably saved quite a bit of money on on the consignment fee that I would have had to pay because they were expecting yeah. he was going to sell it whatever they were put up for. So yeah, which would be a lot more. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it is it is the situation at the moment. It is the market at the moment where you know we all like to do a PPI. I mean, we're big fans of it, Steve and I. Um, but you know, you don't really have the time anymore. You don't have the time because you have to be like you just said. You have to be with with these nine elevens that don't really come around that much with those sort of mileage and and that model. You know, the GT three. You have to be quick. You know, you really do just have to be quick. Otherwise, you will miss out. It will go to a dealer and it'll be, you know, 10, 20% more or it will go to another seller. So it makes it hard for people who aren't, you know, ready to buy, doesn't it? You really do have to be ready to buy there and then and just just do the offer straight away. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, you know, sometimes it just works out in your favor. Um, and uh, this was one of those situations. And, you know, I, I guess... I wasn't completely blind. You know, the car had only done 29,000 Ks, as I said, and yep. he did have a, a PPI from when he'd purchased it oh, only okay. two, two or 3,000 Ks earlier. So it wasn't the best PPI. It was just a 100-point Porsche dealer check, which was yep. really um, not that detailed. But, you know, I, I had some history there. So Yeah, I mean, it is about what you said, you know, what we say too, is like trust the seller, buy the seller. You know, I was watching um, Jerry Seinfeld and Spike Thurston on YouTube the other day and it was about three years ago and Steve sent me this link. It was that, uh, it was that 
uh, that event where all the classic cars are in the US. I can't think of it off the top of my mind. Amelia Island or wherever it was. And they were doing oh, yeah, a, like um, a pod- Concord, yeah. yeah, they were doing like a podcast, uh, like a live podcast sort of thing. And Jerry Seinfeld said a lot of his cars, the reason why he buys them is, is the story, is the person. You know what I mean? It's the person that he bought it from. Um, and that really just pushes him over the edge to buy a car. You know what I mean? Obviously, he's got a lot of money, but it's, it is the story of the car. It is the seller, isn't it? You know what I mean? And it does give you that confidence to go, well, you know, this, this is going to be okay. Um, and it becomes a story for you to tell as well later on, I guess. It's the same sort of thing. Yeah, I, I think so. I think there's, you know, the, the, that's, um, there's some truth to that. And uh, I, I actually enjoy, you know, when you're buying the cars, I guess, um, you don't always – um, have the time, like we said, to to really delve too deeply into it. But after the fact, once you own the car, I actually enjoy tracing the history, and I've done that with my cup car extensively, and did that okay. also with this car, and managed to track down the uh, on Instagram the, the the first the original owner of the car, oh, which really? was nice. Did you ask yeah, them how so. they did fifteen thousand kilometers so in in a short period of time? How many years did they own that for the first owner? He he. he so the first owner, um, he he actually he only had the car for I think one year um oh, wow. okay he, he sold it because he'd had a kid he was having a kid so he um i think he did seven thousand k's he said oh, okay and so yeah he then the, whoever bought it off of him did a yeah. few thousand k's and then and then parked it so that's a great thing to do to find out all the history though you know what i mean you know it's yeah. not you know it's classic-ish i guess it's not classic classic but it's good to know all the all the all the previous owners so okay so you buy this car you get it it, it arrives in Adelaide. Um, first impressions compared to um, the first compared to the first GT3 you had, which was slightly tweaked. First impressions were it, it's a real virgin, um, and I was amazed at the condition of the interior. Probably um, that was the thing that stood out the most. It's still got the new car smell. Um, there's quite a distinct smell of a Porsche. You get that the smell of the leather, which I'm sure everyone. Who's, who's owned one would probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and, and it must be something to do with the plastics that they use. Um, uh, and so it still still had that new car smell. And the, the 996 interior doesn't wear that well, as a lot of people know. So, yeah. um, you know, I was that, that's what I was amazed about. I mean, you know, 30,000 Ks is, it's small. It's, it's, a, it's a fairly small number of Ks for a car like that, but, by the same token, it's still 30,000 Ks. You've had a lot of owners over a number of years. So I was amazed that everyone who'd owned the car had taken such good care of it. Um, you know, you can tell it's not a car that's ever been used to commute. Yeah, no, um, I'm, looking, I'm looking at an image on your, your Instagram that was done, you know, a few weeks back. Um, and it, so you've kept it pretty stock, have you? It looks like it's in immaculate condition and you've kept it quite stock? I have, yes. Um, it's not, I don't plan to keep it completely stock um okay so far the only the only thing i've done is fitted the uh the fire extinguisher um which i didn't think too too long and hard about i mean i just think it's a club sport that that extinguisher should be there um and i don't often have passages so um so yeah, so we how fitted that. Is, what about the exhaust? Everyone likes to know about the sound. Um, did you keep the sound as as it was, or have you tweaked the sound? Have you added an exhaust to it? Have you done any modifications to the to the exhaust? The exhaust is currently still um, the original. Um, okay. The car the car is completely original. There's there are no modifications at all. But I do have I have sourced a uh, nine nine six cup exhaust system. 
and I have a spare carbon fiber cup rear bumper. Okay. Um, so that's in the process of um, that's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks. The car will be going in to have that fitted, which I'm really excited about because the the, the factory exhaust is shocking. It's shockingly quiet. Um, yeah. The exhaust, I understand. The exhaust, I understand. Why are you changing the bumper, though? If you've, you've got a cup car, don't you want to keep this one as stock as it, as it could be? Um, I think that I, I sort of – There's the idea is to have, you know, both of the cars. Um, I don't want to turn this into a race car, obviously, but I, I like the idea of um, parts interchangeability. So um, – you know, it's part of the reason I, I sort of wanted uh, a Series Two because a lot of the parts off the cup car bolt straight on. So, okay, um, I fig I figure, you know, whatever parts I have for the GT3 can be used on the cup and vice versa if they're needed. So, but this won't yeah, be your car. Reason. But you're not going to take this car on the track, are you? Are you going to try it on the track just no. to see how you're not going to use it on the track? Um, Only, yeah, no, I don't think so. Not as long as I have the cup car, anyway. And so what else is planned? So you, you've got the exhaust, you've got the cup bumper, anything else? I noticed the steering wheel. Is that in the GT3 or is that in? Um, yeah. the, the steering wheel, I've got a um, – I, I do have a cup steering wheel, which is a really great upgrade for, for these cars. But I've also sourced um, – the guy who, bought, who I bought the exhaust system off in Belgium is he, um, he had a, a really good condition RS – uh, 996 RS steering wheel and shifter knob, so they're oh, Alcantara okay. instead of leather. Yep, yep, very so cool. So I, I fitted them. Um, I, I prefer the cup wheel because it's slightly smaller and um, it's lighter because there's no airbag and it's also dished, so it, there's a better driving position. Okay. Um, I, I haven't fitted it yet because um, I had one on my old road car. The the main issue with the cup wheel in the, in the street car that a lot of people might not realise is it blocks your view of the taco because the wheel was smaller and the, oh, right, the, right. The, the steering column is not, it's telescopic, but it doesn't move up and down. So it just annoyed me in my road car, um, in my, my last one. So I've sort of held off. I may, I may fit it and try it out, but for now I'm enjoying the RS wheel. So, um, but yeah, t- yeah, there's not a, there's not a lot planned for the car. I don't want to, anything I do will be simple bolt on and off modifications. So, okay. um, yeah, <clears throat> because they are appreciating so much, aren't they? I mean, the 996.2 GT3 is just appreciating so much. Have you had – are there any issues that have, uh, that have come up with the car, anything you've had to get fixed, Simon, that the, 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 uh, the listeners might be interested in, any, any repairs that you've had to do or everything's been – The okay? only thing – well, I haven't, I haven't had a lot of time with the car and haven't done a lot of driving in it, but it did – it was due for a major service when I bought it, so – I took it straight down to have that done, and uh, when they when they did the service, it got a clean bill of health. The only issue was the coil packs had some minor cracks in them, so which is quite a common issue. Um, and it, it wasn't. I didn't know about it. You know, the car was running faultlessly, but they, you know, because the spark plugs were due, they had the coil packs off and inspected them. So we did that. That's the only problem I've had. So. Right. Well, that's good. I'm looking at one of the, I'm just going to go back to your instrument because I've got it in front of me um, open when I'm talking to you, but there's a shot of the rear shot of the car of the 996 uh, GT, GT3 where it's just showing the rear. 
And I was talking to Steve the other day because his cousin-in-law just picked up a picked up the yellow um, speed yellow turbo that was for sale on car sales. He bought that. Oh, a week that, ago. Yeah. that he bought that looked like a nice car. Yeah, so he bought that a week ago. So Steve <clears> went with his GT3, his 997.1 GT3, and and with Marco, his cousin-in-law, down to um, Royal National Park in Sydney for a drive. And they had a picture of the back of the car, and it's it's weird, you know. You see the 996 turbo, you see the 996 turbo, you see the GT3, and how similar. You know, you think they're so far removed, but the the shape and 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 the and the lines and the design—it's so similar, Simon. You know what I mean? And I'm just looking at your your 996 here, and maybe I'm going off track, but I'm looking at your 996, and it it's pretty close to the 997, isn't it? When you look at it at the back, I mean, there is differences, but it's still it's not that far removed. It's actually got a really nice stance to it, the 996. Um, some in some ways, I'm almost thinking the 996 GT3 is a you know. Is it a better GT3 than the 997? Why did you not... Was there anything in your mind at the, at the point when you were looking for this GT3 that you thought, hey, I can stretch it and I'm going to get a 997? Um, I mean, probably when I was, uh, you know, when, when owning a GT3 wasn't really a realistic proposition, um, I, I probably lusted after the 997 because that was the newer one at the time. Um, this is going back a while, obviously, back to when the 7.1 was new. So... yeah. Um, but probably the thing that got me interested in the, the 996 initially was just that I could, it was the one I could afford, which is probably the case for a lot of people that buy their first GT car. But since I've had, you know, the experience of owning them, um, I've really, and I, I have driven, um, a 997.1 for a short period of time. Um, a friend's car that I, I looked after for a couple of days and, um, there's really not a lot of difference between them. I mean, if you had, if you were blindfolded, you, you I don't, I don't know, you'd, you'd be able to tell the difference. Um, right, right. So I guess you go for the one you like the look of. Um, but in my case, you know, everyone could argue that the nine 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 seven is a better looking car. Yep. I think looks are subjective. But, yeah. Um, Buy the one you can afford. That's what we always say, isn't it? Buy the one you can afford. Buy it now and don't miss out and and enjoy it. Enjoy absolutely. it straight away. Yeah. That's the main thing. Um, yeah. What was I going to ask you? I was going to ask you something else about the GT3 and now I've just forgotten. Oh, the GT2. You mentioned in your message to me about um, GT2s. Have you driven a GT2? I have. So my dad has a GT2 that, um, uh, again, I, I found it for him on the um, – one of the guys on the Porsche forums was selling it and, you know, he, he was sort of looking at a turbo and then this car came up and I said, you know, this might be a one to get. So 996? Um, Nine nine six, yeah. It's um, it's not that silver one uh, with really low kilometers, is it? Uh, the one this that car's had... got about fifty thousand k's on. Oh, okay, it, so, different one. Okay, yeah, different one. It's had a it's had an engine rebuild um, and uh, bigger turbos um, in in the hands of the previous owner. So. It's a very powerful car. I was going to um, say, how, how does he find it? Because um, a couple of weeks ago, we had, uh, we had Scott on from the US. I had Scott on from the US. I don't know whether you listened to that one. Um, and he had the 996 Turbo. He had a Cayman S and he's got a, mm, sorry, Scott, 944. I think it's a 944. Um, and then just before the episode went live last week, he said, I've sold the Cayman S and I've sold the um, Turbo cab and he bought a GT2. Um, and I asked him how okay. it was, and he said, you know, the first drive was a bit, it was a bit hairy. It was a bit scary because it, you know, it kind of twitched a bit. Um, how did your dad find it? Was it, was it hard to handle? 
I mean, for him, he, he's not really into track driving or any of that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, from, from my point of view personally, I, I like the sensation of going around corners and the challenge of trying to get around the corner in and out of it through it as quick as possible. And so the GT2 doesn't naturally appeal to me. Um, I think it appeals to those guys who like the straight line performance more. My dad's probably in that category, so it's it's a good car for him in that sense. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he, he daily drives it, not for really? the whole year, but okay. he'll he's, he's got it quite a few cars and he'll sort of cycle through them and, you know, register them for a few months of the year. And um, so he, he'll, he, in the summer, he usually daily drives that car. Um, so, yeah, he, he, he enjoys it. I mean, I've driven it a few times and it's, it's really just like a GT two, a GT three with two turbos. That's you know everything else is the same. The suspension, the ride, but the ex- handling. But experience wise, you prefer the GT three though for the for the. I do, yeah. The, the, although, the, as I said, it's a GT three with two turbos. The fact that it's got that torque um, from the boost, it changes the way you drive the car completely. With the GT three being a car, you've got to be up it all the time to get the performance, keep the momentum up to to maximize your your pace, right, and so. Right. With the very hard to do on a public road, mind you. Whereas the GT2, um, you know, you you probably get a little bit more enjoyment out of it in, in a, on a road in a public road setting because you can give it a squirt and and you know throws you back in the seat. So yeah, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it's the first time I've ever listened to it. Um, and I don't know whether you listen to it. It's called the Car Chat Podcast. Um, I and no, I haven't heard that. Yeah, the Car Chat podcast, and it's an interesting one because it's got Alex from Sharkworks. One of the, the guests on that episode is Alex from Sharkworks, um, and I'm sure you've you've heard of Sharkworks, right? In the US, the, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. And he talks about it, Alex, and he was big on um, tuning turbos. He was big on getting the most power out of turbos. That's where he sort of first got into like the business with his with his Porsche business. Um, and then he was talking about the GT2, and he said the GT2 is a really good car. The GT2 is a really good car. He said, but it's not a car you can just jump into for a day or two days. You really have to live with it for a month and then you'll understand it. So I wonder if that is about the power delivery and, and, and in your mind, you know, where you've come from, Simon, you know what I mean? But he, he did make that point that just live with it for a month and it is a really, really good car. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you have to really treat the the GT2 with a lot of care because, you know, being a 911, it it's obviously in that era, no, no nannies, as they say, there's yeah, nothing yeah. to save you, you know? So, um, if, if you, if you're on it and suddenly you, you know, you break traction and you, you get the tail out and then you panic and lift off, you're in a lot of trouble pretty quickly. Yeah. So it just happens a lot quicker because of that power delivery than it yeah. would in a GT3. So, well, well, I have to say you've got great cars in your family with your dad's <laughs> GT2 and your <laughs> GT3 and the cup car. That's a nice, that's a nice three car array there in, in a photo. That's for sure. Um, and that 996 sure, GT2 yeah. of your dad's, I mean, they're, they're a really beautiful looking 911. They really are a beautiful looking 911. Um, yeah, no, they are. All right, Simon, we're almost at the hour. Um, let's just get, I always like to ask this question uh, and I always like to ask the question because you've got a cup car, I'm going to ask the other question that I asked James as well. So you've got the cup car. Is there a track in Australia or is there a track anywhere that you would really like to take your cup car to and drive it? Well, we've we've got the Bend Motorsport Park in in Adelaide, just outside of Adelaide. That's only three years old. It's the second longest uh, permanent race track in the world behind the Nordschlacht. So we're we're pretty spoiled, um, and it's a fantastic facility to drive at. 
but probably if I could drive anywhere else, I think it'd have to be Phillip Island. Okay. Um, yeah, it just, you know, a fast flowing track, um, and really suits the, the, the 996 or any cup car really. Um, so yeah, that, that would be the one in Australia anyway. Um, there's lots of others internationally that I'd love to drive at, but yeah, yeah. they're a little bit less less realistic. So. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> so what about the GT3? The GT3 on the road, uh, you know, it's a great car on the road. Around Adelaide, you've got some great roads in Adelaide, I think, for, for sure, right? So tell the listeners, if, if someone's coming to Adelaide and they want to take their 911 or their GT3 around around the area, what's, what's one of your favorite roads? Yeah, so... I actually live in the Adelaide Hills, so I'm, um, you know, it, it, those roads are on my doorstep, which, um, which, which is great. But any any of those roads, um, you know, you're only 20 minutes from the city, and you can probably spend a whole day, um, you know, in a very small geographical area on lots of different roads. But probably um, an easy one to get to and enjoy is Gorge Road, and it's quite a long road. Okay. Um, and it's just the closest thing. A lot of the, the roads in the Adelaide Hills are quite windy and bumpy, whereas Gorge Road has got a lot of long sweeping corners and, and there are parts where the surface is really flat, um, almost like a racetrack. Not that you, you drive like you're on a racetrack when you're there. You shouldn't do that. But, of course. But um, you, can, you can certainly enjoy yourself <laughs> without getting into too much trouble. So, Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, all right. That's about it. We're almost at the end. Is there anything else you want to tell the listeners, um, Simon, before we go? Um, no, not particularly. No, but, um, thanks for having me along for the, the chat. No, thanks uh, Thanks for coming on the podcast. And I'm just going to remind everyone that uh, you should go and follow Simon on Instagram. It's PorscheNut9, number nine, PorscheNut9. So go over to uh, Instagram, say hello, and give him a follow. Um, that's great. I mean, you've like I said, Simon, you've got, you know... You know, I'm a fan of the 996 GT3, or if you don't, I am a fan of the 996 GT3. I always think they're out of my price range. No, I think that they just got too expensive. Um, maybe they're still out there. Maybe they're just hidden and people aren't advertising them, but uh, it's getting harder and harder definitely to find, a, to find a GT car at a good price, isn't it? Yeah, it, 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 it is getting that way, but there are cars out there and you just got to shake the tree, so to speak. Um, you know, just speak to the right people, um, because as we said, a lot of these are not being advertised and uh, they're stashed away with people that, you know, um, are in two minds about selling them and, and some of them can be convinced to do so. So, All right, Simon. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. Uh, that's it for Owner Stories. This is number 34. Uh, that was Simon coming in from Adelaide, 996 GT3 and 996 GT3 Cup. Um, until next time, bye for now.